You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. We're going to look at Acts 9 verse 31. I love this verse. I can identify with this verse. Um, And it's up there. And it says that the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And that phrase there, it grew in numbers, um, that comes several times, or a similar phrase in the Acts of the Apostles. And it always seems to kind of uh, come at the end of one phase of church life, and then it kind of introduces the next phase. And uh, I've chosen this verse because I kind of feel that you're, you're coming into a new phase of God's life among you. I've, you know, all, it doesn't mean I, you know, I'm a prophet. You're starting in, in a new building, which is going to offer you lots more opportunities to serve God and open up the church to the community and do lots more ministries and lots more activities that you can invite the community in and reach out to them in all kinds of new ways. The building is a good thing. It will give you much more opportunity to serve God. It will enlarge the scope of your ministry, not only to build a bigger church and become a home for a a much larger number of people, but your impact will grow, your influence will increase, you'll surely reach this city and the regions beyond with the gospel. Amen? Like it happened like it happened here. The gospel went throughout Judea. These are regions, kind of Judea's south of Jerusalem, Samaria's north of Jerusalem, Galilee's north of Samaria. The gospel now was spreading out way beyond Jerusalem. It started in Jerusalem. The first time this kind of verse is mentioned is in uh, Acts 6 verse 7 um, where it says um, that the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So back there, that kind of mark, up until that verse in, uh, in the book of Acts, it's all about the Jerusalem church. And how God was at work in Jerusalem, how the church grew. And then it kind of comes to the climax, as it were, and it's growing rapidly. It's in a good place. It's, um, you know, God's with them. But now the story's moving on. There's another phase in the, in the work of God. And then there's persecution, and the people like Philip went and preached in Samaria. The gospel went through Judea right up to Galilee as well just as Jesus said when he said you'll receive power from on high and you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth is that not your church as well Ipswich sorry okay well you can reach into Norfolk as well why not and beyond and over the water and to the ends of the earth amen is this not the calling of God on your church if I know Tom it must be the calling of God on not that you kind of you know go crazy with a vision out there and you neglect what's going on here it's not that 
But it's both, is it not? So get ready. There's a new phase coming. God is giving you a new opportunity to serve him. And like with all new opportunities, it requires sacrifice. It requires aligning ourselves, realigning ourselves with the purposes of God. It means embracing what God is saying to us, what God has for us, even if it's going to disturb us, uh, you know, rock our convenience, comfort kind of lifestyles. God wants us out there doing some kind of unfamiliar stuff, does he not? The stuff of breakthrough, the stuff of miracle, the stuff of the gospel reaching whole regions of territory. Why not in England? Why not here? Surely it will happen and surely even something like a building. We know the building's nothing. The church is the people of God. Amen. The building's just a home for God's people and their guests. Amen. It's not a house of God. God doesn't need a house. The one who fills the heavens and the earth, you're not going to squeeze him into the building. The building's not holy or sanctified or special. It's just like this. Amen? But it's a home for God's people. It's where God's people come together to worship, to stand in the presence of God, to hear his voice, to bow our hearts and say, Lord, we are your people. Whatever you want, just speak the word. Here am I, your servant. Whatever you say, I'm ready. I'll go for you. Amen? Let me say that again. Amen? You know what amen means, don't you? It means I agree. It means I'm in this. So, I mean, you know, don't say it casually. I'm, you know, don't just say it because I'm saying it. But say it. <laughs> don't not say it. Amen? So Peter is um, kind of, I, I like this verse because it says, in the churches they had peace. And uh, the background to this story is that Paul, the persecutor, Saul, had become the apostle Paul. He wasn't in a fully-fledged apostolic ministry yet, but he was, you know, he went away from Jerusalem, killing Christians and persecuting Christians, cursing the name of Jesus. And he came back to Jerusalem preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. I mean, what a transformation. Amazing. Hallelujah. I love that story, don't you? He's on the road to Damascus, breathing out threats and curses and blah, you know. He's going to slice up a few more Christians and cut their heads off. He was the real terrorist of the day. When he said, I was the biggest of sinners, I was the greatest of sinners, he said, because I persecuted the church. He meant that. It wasn't just Paul being ultra humble, saying I'm the greatest of sinners. He was the greatest of sinners. He was a bad guy. And God got hold of him. Hallelujah. Pushed him to the ground, knocked him to the ground. Beat him up a little bit. Hallelujah. God needs to beat us up a bit sometimes. He needs to beat all the hatred out of him, all the aggression, all the pride, all the cursing, all the evil out of his heart. God needs to deal with this guy. Amen? Before he could use him. And we think, oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, everything's nice and gentle. And thank God it is most of the time. But sometimes he needs to get hold. Paul talked about, he said, I, I'm pressing on to lay hold of all that God laid hold of me for. God got hold of his life. 
God said, right, everything changes now from this day forward. And you're going to be my servant. And I'm going to take you before the Gentiles and kings. And you're going to suffer a whole lot for my name's sake. And I tell you, Paul wasn't about to disagree. He embraced it. He said, I'm laying hold of everything that God's laid hold of me for. Do you have a sense of God having laid hold of your life? Or are you kind of drifting along, kind of coming to church? Let me tell you, God's not impressed that you just made it here this morning. That's good. It's better than staying at home and having a sleep. But there's a bit more to the kingdom of God than that. Amen. Paul was preaching the gospel back in Jerusalem, stirring up persecution. And the apostles, I can just imagine Peter and John saying to Paul, look, calm down a bit. You're stirring up all this trouble for us. Just, if you're going to preach the gospel, just do it a little quieter and more tactfully. And Paul saying, no, I'm going to preach the gospel. In the end, they got so fed up, it says, they sent him away to Tarsus. We've got to get rid of this guy before he causes so much persecution to come down on us. And it says, and then, so they got rid of Paul. Paul wasn't needed, not being needed. But they sent him away. And then it says, then the churches had peace. You get the kind of context for the whole thing. There was some calm. There was some peace about the whole thing. And then it started growing in numbers rapidly and incredibly in the fear of the Lord, in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, without the Apostle Paul, just God with them. Hallelujah. So I like that kind. None of us are indispensable. Amen. Have you figured that out yet? In the kingdom of God, God can actually do without you. It's an honor that he's chosen us, saying, come along here, let's be partners together, let's work together. It's our honor, is it not, to be chosen of God, to work with God. Hallelujah. And so they had peace. And I tell you, in the work of God, I think this is one of the most important things we can have, is peace in our hearts. We need to be able to learn to live, make it part of our lives where we wait before God, where we spend time just in the presence of God, where the peace of God fills our hearts. Instead of all the clamor of discussions and opinions and arguments and fights and competitiveness and sheer frustration, the people don't see it your way and you're trying to you know, in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. Have you discovered that yet? It's taken me decades to kind of understand that when God wants to do a breakthrough in his work, it comes from peace. It comes from a place where there is great sense of the peace of God, that God is with us, of unity, of heart and purpose. This is the place God wants to get us to. And it's interesting, isn't it, when Jesus was ascending and teaching the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come, he said, wait, the Holy Spirit's coming, wait, wait, learn to wait. But on the other hand, he also says, now I'm sending you, go into all the world. When we've got to learn to wait and we've got to learn to go, we've got to learn to stay, we've got to learn the peace of God and then being thrust out of that to do the work of God. And we've got to do it God's way. And so it's not all our organizational gifting and thank God for all that kind of stuff. And that's necessary. That's kind of maintenance stuff. Breakthrough stuff. 
when you enter the next phase, when you take another step forward in the work of God comes from a place of rest, comes from the presence of God. When God speaks into your heart and says, now go, hallelujah. Now do it. Now's the time. And that's, I think, one of the biggest lessons to learn in the Christian life is when is it now? Because <laughs> God's too slow for us most of the time. We're praying and praying and praying, saying, God, when are you going to answer our prayers? You know, you're, you're, we get impatient with God. Or am I the only guy that, that I'm like that, you know? And actually, God's kind of looking down on us and saying, I wish that guy was ready. When's he going to be ready that I can use him? When's he going to come to God? God is, that's why it says in the Bible, God is patient with us. He actually is patient with us. He's actually waiting for us. We think we're waiting for God. We want God to move. God's saying, well, when are you ready? And when you're ready, I'll, I'll move. Do you know, back in 1987, I'm so old, I used to be around when there was communism. And, uh, you know, when communism finished at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, I used to go into communist countries before all that happened, when the Berlin Wall came down, all that kind of stuff. And um, I was in Dresden in East Germany. And uh, God spoke to me in Dresden one day. I was down by the River Elbe, the docks in Dresden. And I'd been reading a book about the Moravians, who were incredible missionary movement back in the 1700s. And uh, they even, Moravia's part of Germany, and they sent missionaries to Greenland. Can you believe that? Back then. They used to go down to the docks in Dresden, these Moravians. They used to sell themselves into slavery so they could get on a boat and be taken to Greenland and other places around the world. Can you imagine that? Knowing that they would never come back home again. Think of the emotion of that. Amazing. So they went to Greenland. So I'm thinking about this and imagining, you know, what the families were feeling and what the saints were feeling as they saw the boat go off down the river and, and all that kind of stuff. And I felt God say in my heart, I'm going to send you to Greenland one day. So I was kind of looking on the map, where is it and all that. And... Uh, and from time to time, I'd pray about it. Because how do you go to Greenland? I have no idea. And uh, who do you go to? I have no idea. And uh, from time to time, I'd pray about it. And God, God said to me once, I'll send you to Greenland when it's my time for Greenland. And so I'd pray from time to time. And then about five years ago, God spoke to me and said, now's the time. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? But of course, if God speaks to you, God will open a door. The next day, I get a call from someone who said, I've been to Greenland recently, and I think it would be a great idea if you went there. He said, I can introduce you to someone. And uh, so I got introduced. We just had contact, email contact, except he couldn't write English, so we just did little short texts and stuff and uh, anyway he invited me to Greenland so I went to I went to Greenland <laughs> amazing <laughs> amazingly and before I went I was thinking he lived in the capital there's only 56,000 people live in Greenland would you believe and in little towns all around the coast and uh, there's no roads or anything like that you either go by boat or you fly or dog sledge and all that kind of stuff and uh, so I texted him and said, oh, I'll see you. He said he'll come and meet me at the airport. So I thought it was the capital. And he, I said, I'll see you in Nuke. 
tomorrow. And he texts back and says, I don't live in Nuke. Why didn't the guy tell me? So where did you live? Where do you live? It's a place called Manitsoc, about two, three hundred kilometers up the coast. I said, what shall I do? And eventually uh, there was a message, I will meet you. Anyway, he met me with another, another <laughs> great, these are Inuit Eskimo guys, you know, kind of that big, you know, big guys. And there's another guy with him, and they introduced himself. He said, me, policeman, him, criminal. <laughs> now, brothers. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> great, great guy, you know, really weird. And... Uh, <laughs> So I said, how are we going to get to Manitsoc, his place? And uh, he said, we go by boat. So I'm kind of a bit nervous at this stage. And there's a little motorboat, you know, about this long, open to the elements. And uh, uh, anyway, long story, we got there in the end. But the, the, the thing was, um, there were, oh, there's so funny, it was a really funny journey, but I haven't got time to tell you all the story. We saw whales and everything, you know, kind of through glacier, not uh, icebergs, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, what have you brought me to? And uh, we got there and God said, it's my time for this place. There are a f few churches there. The next morning he said, pray for my son, he's going fishing. Uh, and he said, this is a bad time for fishing, it's all, you know. And I, of course, I had no faith at all for fishing, I mean... That's Jesus stuff, isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, I prayed for his son, who wasn't a believer, and he was kind of just hauled in by his father, kind of standing there. And anyway, in the evening, he came back absolutely jumping around, and he'd caught the biggest catch of fish they'd ever experienced in one day, and it completely transformed their economy, the, the family's economy, you know, because... They caught over a ton of fish in, in one day. And uh, at $10 a kilogram, you can work out what that was worth to them in one day. And uh, the next time I went, the guy was baptized. Hallelujah. <laughs> He'd come to the Lord. Hallelujah. And God began to move in the meetings and amazing stuff. People were getting saved. In one meeting, 17 people, which is in Greenland, not heard of before kind of thing and God has begun and I remembered what God said to me I'll send you when it's my time for Greenland and it's God's time for Greenland there's amazing stuff going on in Greenland right now the next day they were queued up for me to pray for them going fishing but, um, <laughs> one of the most exciting places I, I go but I tell you it comes out of a place of peace not rushing not trying to figure it out. It's by listening to the word of God. Listening to God. When God says go, that's sending is all about the timing of God. We can be called, but if we try and do the calling before we're sent to do it, it usually works out unfruitfully. If you wait for the sending time of God, God will open amazing doors. I went to another country recently. The pastor of the church there said, um, oh, we, you know, we've had a bad, bad experience with the Holy Spirit. So we're kind of, we don't, you know, we, we kind of hold back on praying for people and all that stuff. So I said, that's fine. I said, you, you know, do what you want to do. And uh, so I preached and people began to cry all over the place. And 
at the end of the meeting, he said, maybe we could call people out for prayer. I said, well, it's up to you. you. If you want to do that, do that. And about, well, several hundred people came out for prayer. It was beautiful. And uh, the reason why this, for me, was a, was a beautiful story was the first time when I was a young preacher, uh, many, many years ago, the first time I had boldness enough to call people out for prayer to be healed, um, the first guy that came out kind of came out a bit stiffly. And uh, so I said, well, what's, you know, what can I pray for you? And he said, I've got hemorrhoids. And of course, I didn't know what hemorrhoids were. And so I said, sit down here and I'll pray for you. <laughs> and it was an exceedingly um, kind of awkward situation. So and I, I have no idea. I don't believe anything much happened for him. But in this meeting in this other country... Um, there was just such an amazing move of God, and people were just saying, "I'm healed. God's touched me. God is." And uh, the pastor afterwards said, "Do you know? Do you remember that guy who just came and stood before you and started crying and that?" And I said, "Yeah, vaguely, you know." But there were loads of people. So he said, um, "He said he waited for three months, and he said because he wanted to check out his healing." But he said when he was standing there, he said the power of God came on him and he was immediately healed of hemorrhoids. It's the first time I've ever heard anyone healed of hemorrhoids. And, but it was particularly precious to me because of my disastrous start in the healing ministry. It's still not very good after all these years, I must confess. But I tell you, God's with us. God's at work. To, if, if we hear from God and move in faith, at his word, in his timing, when he's ready to do something. And see, I'll just finish the story um, of Peter here, because he's raised this woman, Dorcas, from the dead in Joppa. Um, it's all in the, around this verse. We haven't had time to read the whole scripture out. And then he's, he goes and spends some time with Simon the Tanner. Do you remember the story? In Joppa, and he's up on the roof praying, and waiting on God again, showing the importance of, you know, they've just raised the dead. The whole area of Lydda and Sharon and Joppa had come to the come to the Lord. God's on the move. Incredible stuff is happening. And he goes and sits on the roof and kind of just actually just like Jesus. The crowds are all coming at him. And where does he go? He goes off and prays all night. See, these guys did it a different way to us, didn't they? They knew what it was to get into the presence of God. They knew the importance of that. And so he sits on a roof and God's planning the next breakthrough to the Gentiles. And he sends an angel to Cornelius. You remember the story? Peter's there praying. God shows him a vision of a sheet with all these unclean to, to Jews, unclean animals down. And, he, and a voice says, God's voice says to him, kill and eat. And... Uh, Peter says, no, no, I can't eat, do this to an, it's an unclean animal. And God had to break through his prejudice to get him ready to go to Cornelius' household, for a Jew to go to a Gentile. It's the biggest cultural, religious, racial divide of the day. God wanted to break out in a whole new area to a whole new people. And Peter was the guy he wanted to send 
And Peter wasn't ready to be sent. Peter's still saying, no, Lord, I'm not going to, I can't go to these unclean Gentiles. I've never eaten any unclean food in my life. He was full of prejudice, full of arrogance, pride, not going to these people. I tell you, God's got so many people out there who are ready to receive the gospel, who we, we might never think of going to or even consider worthy, perhaps, of the kingdom of God. I was praying one day, and God spoke to me. He said, there are many people that are crying out to me. There are many people crying out to me. I just want someone to go and talk to them. just want someone, are you going to go and talk to them? We think people are hard and against the gospel. They are not. Let me tell you, people are crying out for, they've lost all hope in life. They've got nothing to look forward to. They've they're the last, the lost, the lonely, the least, the suffering. The question is, are we going to go to them? Are we ready to go to them? God had to deal with people and break his heart and get right into him so that he would go to Cornelius. It wasn't, oh, he had a nice vision in a meeting and off he went the next day and had some good stories to tell. It wasn't like that for Peter. God dealt with him severely to get him into a place where he was ready to go and then there was a breakthrough amazing hallelujah this is what breakthrough is all about are you ready for god to send you does god need to deal in your heart and even if he's dealt in your heart before does he need to deal in your heart again uh, probably older than most of you here and god's still dealing in my heart getting me ready to go places and do stuff let me just say to all you older people, God is going to raise up an army of old people to do his work. Hallelujah. It's not all about the youth. God's going to strengthen and invigorate us to do stuff that we never would have ever expected to do in our lives. Hallelujah. To go again and do stuff that is just so outrageous. And God wants some oldies like us to show the youngsters how to do it. And what to do and be like a mum and dad and teach them and amen get ready from the youngest to the oldest get ready to go let god deal with you and he'll send you to do all kinds of amazing stuff amen let's stand in the presence of god father god thank you for all the potential of this church here of all these dear people lord Blessed be your name, you've raised up a church, you've raised up a people here to surely do a, an immense and beautiful, wonderful work of God in this place. And Lord, thank you, you've already done it, but now there's another phase. Lord, now the next steps are to be taken. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will break into people's hearts afresh, bring fresh faith and fresh vision. And like the young prophet of old Isaiah, say, here am I, Lord. Here am I, send me. I'm ready to go. Lord, this is what my life is to be about, to serve you. Lord, we want to bow our hearts and just say yes to anything that you say. Lord, I pray for people. I pray for people right now. If you feel, 
If you wanted to respond to God, please raise your hands just simply where you are. And this is a sign to God. Why, why do, does God ask us to lift our hands? Pray, pray with upheld hands. Because we're saying, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Send me. Lord, I pray that you will move in people's hearts and lives again. Lord, you'll anoint, you'll give amazing faith for breakthrough. Lord, I pray for people that have lost the vision that you spoke to them and gave to them even years ago. Lord, I pray that you'll rekindle those visions and refresh that sense of anointing again on many people's lives. So there'll be another whole movement forward into all the grace of God that you have for them here in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that this church will advance and grow and fill this city and fill this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there'll be a move of salvation and healing power in Jesus' name. That there'll be many remarkable things done in the name of Jesus. That people will say and notice what is going on in the name of Jesus. Let Jesus' name be lifted up and exalted in this place. Let them shake this place with the gospel, with the love of God. In Jesus' name. Stir up your people afresh, Lord, and in the peace of God and in the confidence of knowing that God is with them. Let them do great things for you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you all. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.